This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. A couple years ago, we were fishing the Yellowstone River in Yellowstone National Park, and I wanted to cross a side channel to an island which gave me access to a great run. Well, I remember getting about halfway across that channel, and I wasn't sure if I was going to make it back safe and dry. I mean, it was only about thigh-high water, but it was rushing so fast. And that's a common hazard of fly fishing, isn't it, Dave? It sure is, especially there on uh, the Yellowstone, because those rocks uh, are, are just coated, and they just, with this, feels like a film oh, that, yeah. that makes wading almost impossible across there. Greased cannonballs. And it would have shot you down into, um, I mean, if you had lost your footing there, uh, the river right there is so swift. Oh, it is. It, there's some deep runs yep, over there. There really is. You could really get hurt. So, And just this past summer, um, we were fishing the boulder, which is a much smaller creek. And, and so if you fall in or you're not going to die, you're just going to break something. Yeah. Part of the issue is that I don't use felt soles on my wading boots uh, anymore. And frankly, using those studs on your bottom of your boots is hazardous. Yeah, we're trying to be eco-friendly, but uh, it can be unsafe. So today we want to offer some suggestions for safe wading. Dave, what would you suggest? Well, first of all, I think, you know, it depends on where you're at and uh, what kind of river you're at and uh, whether you're fishing spring creeks, whether you're fishing uh, tailwaters, whether you're fishing some of the big rivers in the west. But I think one rule of thumb is that the faster the river is flowing, um, the lower the depth level you can wade. And really, I would say only to mid-thigh length, you know, or mid-thigh height in swift water. Yeah, absolutely. I that That's my practice. I, I just don't have that kind of balance. I remember a couple summers ago when we fished the Wyoming Bighorn. I love that river. There were a couple places where we got out and waded and I, I was up to my navel and I rarely do that, but it was it was such a gentle flow. I didn't feel unsafe. Yeah, I think, I think you can do that obviously in lakes uh, where there's no current, um, but in in some of those bigger rivers and you know what just an aside i think the older that i've gotten even though i feel like i'm in good shape um i feel less confident about how yep. far i wade out into the water oh that's right hey we're both uh we're both 53 right yeah <laughs> so, uh, i wish it were 43 i know and there's a difference isn't there and Boy, there's there a sure difference is. between 53 too and 33 if, if so. nothing else it's confidence right um, it's kind yep. of this sense of you know you're gonna you know now i know that i'm gonna die Yep. And I just don't want it to be weighty. Yeah, it really is. Well, here's something else that I've learned from experience, and that is keep your stride short. Uh, don't panic into larger strides. You know, you start to get some really swift water and like, oh, I got to get across or I got to get back. And so you take larger strides. Well, that's when you can really get into trouble. You can slip and, uh, you know, at that point, you're just going to fall in. Uh, but... 
take shorter strides so you're you're not being pushed by the river uh you know i think when you're you're taking wider strides the current is working against you twice it's working against two legs and instead of uh kind of your legs being uh, closer together and it's really only putting that force against one so why is it we or maybe i should say i feel anxiety when I'm waiting like I have to get somewhere fast I don't know why that is no, I'm the same way and maybe it's a mindset yeah. of my life you know where I live in the suburbs and my business and but it just it's killer for waiting and so part of this is also slowing down yeah. so as you take shorter strides yeah. to just simply slow down yeah I think some of it's just sheer panic you know when when anything happens you panic you you start to do stupid instead of being sensible so the next one I would say, um, as we think about this, is to make sure you have the right soles on your wading boots. We talked about this um, a little bit earlier, but felt, I think, is still in play, even though with mm-hmm. the invasive species um, danger that came in, what, what 10 years ago, right, 20 years ago, right. um, you know, there was a lot of concern that, that fly fishers were actually transmitting and carrying invasive species because they weren't cleaning their boots off and that felt allowed those organisms to live within the felt. And so a lot of the, the, the manufacturers started to produce these stud boots. But I tell you what, I'm convinced I need two pairs of boots. And if I'm fishing the Yellowstone, I'm going to be using felt-soled wader boots. Yep, that's right. And as long as you're allowing it to dry out. I mean, if you're fishing the Yellowstone three days in a row, that, that's not a big deal now if, if you're coming from the madison then i would say boy yes switch boots uh, yeah wait till the wait Definitely. a week till those things dry but but you're right you know and, and some of the new boots too have that they're almost plates on the bottom and so yeah you're right make sure you get the right soles that's uh, that's a huge part of safety and i think again where you fish plays a big role and um and if you're fishing those spring creeks and the drift list it's a lot different yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. You've got that even flow of the Spring Creek. You have a different kind of bottom. You don't have those, you know, rocks in the bottoms that you have typically in the in the West. And so it's just different. So it just allows you to really, you don't even have to think as much about yeah, your boots. Yeah, that's true. Well, here's another one, and this has saved me so many times, and that is use a wading staff. Uh, whether you're simply using a tree branch, and honestly, that's my choice, or a commercial wading staff. I keep thinking one of these years I'm going to buy a commercial wading staff you know they're they're telescoping so that you can have that in your your pocket or or uh, you know clipped onto your vest and then you can you know you can extend that and use it at a moment's notice but I haven't done that yet because you know everywhere that we fish we find uh, you know big branches off of pine trees and and those work uh, really well so uh, use those I, I do that all the time and and I'll you know I get to the other bank, I'll, I'll put it down where I can find it. And, uh, you know, if I lose it, I, I find another one. Another one, another um, point here, I think, is t- as you wade, is to angle downstream when crossing a river. Oh, now, absolutely. This, now, this yeah. might seem patently obvious, but sometimes it's not, right? You're thinking about fishing, you're thinking about other things, but as you cross uh, the river, that you angle downstream so that... It enables you um, to go with the current. Yeah, don't fight it. Don't yeah, fight don't it. fight it. You know, there's. Um, we live in the Chicago area, and you hear a couple times a year people getting pulled out by the riptide on the other side of the lake, 
And, and the reason they can't make it back is they fight the currents. You know, the trick there is to angle back um, yep. to shore. And I think the same principle is at work here. And uh, when you're crossing the river, especially on the more treacherous uh, rivers, is to make sure you're angling downstream. Yep. And related to that, uh, don't try to turn around in fast current. That, that's just a no-no. Uh, sidestep or, or back up carefully. But if, if that river is, is moving, so fast that that you're you feel like you're starting to panic and you realize well I'm uh, I'm gonna get into trouble if I go any further don't you know don't try to turn around because uh, you, you can get thrown off your feet just just take a sidestep you know back up carefully and and do things slowly again don't panic just make your move slow and deliberate and and you'll be okay another is to wear a waiting belt uh, with your chest waders. I have a pair of waders where it's actually built in uh, through the straps and you just tighten them. But um, it's, it's paying attention to these little details, especially if you're going into a river that's swift moving, that that belt is wrapped tight around your waist. I can't tell you how many times that has saved me from water going over the top of my waders and then down into my uh, legs, into my into bottom of my waders. Yeah, and then this next one, if you fall in, uh, the conventional wisdom is don't stand up too quickly. Wait for knee-deep water and keep your feet down river. Now, I, I can't speak to that personally. I mean, I've, I've fallen in before, believe me, but it's always been in shallow water. And and it's not because I'm such a great waiter. It's because I've, I've kept myself out of those situations. I mean, back to that rule, don't wade in, in stuff that's too fast. Don't get too deep and fast stuff. So I've, I've been okay on that. I mean, I've, I've gotten wet and I've, uh, you know, I've, I've put a knot on my arm and, you know, bruised my arms, but uh, no broken bones yet. And, and I haven't been in one of these situations, but, but all of the guides, all of the, you know, those who fish a lot and who have, have experienced this say, don't try to stand up too quickly. Just let the current, you know, take you down, keep your feet down river. And that makes sense because, you know, if, if, if a rock or a, a, you know, a log or something suddenly shows up, you, you want your feet to hit that, not your head. It's important to remember that if you do fall in, it's okay to lose your rod. Um, the first thing I think about is the water's coming yeah. over the top of my waders, and as I'm being swept downstream, well, there's really two thoughts. One is I'm, I'm going to die, and the next one yeah. is I'm going to lose my rod. And I remember yeah. the worst incident that I had um, several years ago. The big problem was that you know the shock of the water as the as the water came over my waders, and then I realized I was being shot downstream. But the very next thought was my rod. I'd let go of my rod, and so I was more worried about my rod than than actually getting oh, to yeah. shore. So um, I just think you need to say it's okay to lose that rod. Yeah, that's really true. I, I think people underestimate the power of a, of a fast-flowing river, even one that's not that deep. I, I remember, wow, right after my wife and I were first married, we lived in Portland, Oregon, and we were, uh, we were working, doing some volunteer work with this youth group, a bunch of high schoolers, and we, we took them tubing uh, somewhere east of... Uh, Portland east of Gresham I think it was on the big sandy river and you know we all had inner tubes and and I remember uh, you know of course I gave the lecture to all of these students and my wife saying
now, now be really careful. And, and, well, and there's this one run. I said, now here's what you, you do. You have to hit this run exactly right. Uh, let me show you how. Well, of course I messed up and I got, I got thrown over towards a, a tree branch and, and I grabbed the tree and I'll never forget how quickly my body just went straight. You know, I was, it was like I was treading water. I grabbed that thing and, and the force of that water just, uh, you know, made me lay out flat. And of course, then everybody else came by with their inner tubes and they did it right. But, but I've never forgotten that and, and just the power of, uh, of fast water. Boy, some of those rivers in, in the state of Washington and Oregon, holy cow, those are, they're moving uh, the volume of, you know, how quickly that river is moving. Yeah, and, and they may look like they're they're flowing rather slowly on the surface, but uh, you really do have to be careful. Well, that leads to a final uh, tip, and that would be don't wade fish alone, or at least don't wade fish alone on certain rivers. I, I want to put that caveat there because I, if my wife listens to this, uh, you know, then she'll use it against me. <laughs> she'll want to go with you. Well, yeah, and that, and that would, would be, a be huge great. problem. <laughs> yeah, that could actually could be fun. She's thanks to my son, she's starting to pick up fly fishing. Uh, I'm not buying it. That <laughs> means not I can't it. go along, right? Yeah, okay. Now you're in trouble too. She just heard you say that. But but seriously, you know, we, we do try not to fish uh, alone. Now, there are times where that can be safe, but but not on the Yellowstone, uh, not in a lot of places on the Madison. So you know, yeah. make sure you've got that buddy with you. If you have any other suggestions for safe wading, please share them with us. Please go to two guys in a river.com. That's two with the numeral, two guys in a river.com, and comment on our podcast link. What other tips would you offer for safe wading? And also be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And also, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or if you have an Android uh, on Stitcher. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. (laughs) 